0: here we go we're going to go to matthew chapter 28 this is going to be hard for you to find here uh matthew chapter 28 need to get my bible though of course we um have been going this is the third time now on matthew chapter 28 probably have it memorized maybe soon but Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless us Time we have tonight, Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to gather tonight. Father, we do need you. We need you every service, we need you every moment, every breath that we take. Lord, we, we need your strength. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to guide my mind, I ask you to direct me. And, and Spirit of God, I ask you to please just move into this place and help us to learn and to grow from the, the commands that you gave. And then you commanded them to be taught. So Lord, I ask you, please teach us. God, teach us to know you. Teach us to be yielded to you. God, please bend us. Mold us, make us what you want us to be. Spirit of God, I ask you to wrap your arms around this place. There's a mighty hedge of protection. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bind Satan from this place and turn back the evil that would try to snatch away the truth here tonight. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As you I have to keep saying this because... I said this this morning for those that were here last Sunday night. You know that were you know for uh, some were not here last Sunday night. So this morning, that, but there are some that were not here this morning. Uh, that, so we're going to catch you up. Maybe you were probably here last Sunday night. But we're we're going back to these commands of Jesus, for He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and so. Uh, again, for those that, that just uh, we, we have to keep giving this a little bit of a background, but uh yeah. Jesus uh, came very clearly and he he says i've got all power, and i'm sending you out to do something and what i'm sending you out to do is to is to win them to go to to the philippines and to to win young orphans I'm, I'm sending you out there to teach them uh um, how they need to repent. And, and repent of their disbelief in Jesus and uh, believe in Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what he's te- to, uh, we're to go out and teach them. And then he said, of course, after you teach them, after they truly, clearly believe in me, he said, then they got to understand what it means to be baptized. Why are they being baptized? The purpose of baptism and to follow me in baptism, that obedience to baptism. And then you need to teach them, and this is what we're dealing with right now, teach them whatsoever I have commanded you. All things though it, it, he didn 't say this last command teach them that he said everything that i 've given you, everything that I gave, and so we started out with the fact that repent was the very first command now we that we just read the last command that he 's going to give the first command is to repent, uh, and, and of course, we understood that 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 what that repent meant to repent from disbelief to believe. And then we, then the second command was to follow me. Jesus said as soon as you believe, you know, he doesn't really mess around. He said you get saved, you ought to follow me. Amen. You know, if you, and it's an amazing thing, but if we really believe he is the eternal God, if we really believe that he is the Savior, if we really believe he's God Almighty incarnate, I mean, he understood, and we ought to understand if we really believe that, and we're really changing from disbelief to belief, that it ought to just make sense that you'd want to follow that God. I mean, it just makes sense that you'd want to follow him. And so he said, he said, just, okay, now follow me, follow me. And, and, and I'm going to keep emphasizing this, but if, if we're going, uh, if he's having to say, follow, follow me, then we must have been going, before we met him, we must have been going a direction different than he was going. So, uh, it's just very, very important. And then he says to rejoice. Rejoice because when you start to follow him, you're going to run into trials and tribulations. And God said, if you're going to really influence people by the next command, you better, you better rejoice. Have the right spirit, the right attitude through the trials of life. And folks, you know, it, really, we just got two choices. We can either be in the, you know, the money grubs and down and discouraged about everything that comes our way. Or we can just spit in the devil's face by just saying, you know what? You hit me with your best shot. Guess what? I'm gonna keep smiling. Amen. You know what? I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep serving God. I'm Amen. not turning back. I'm not quitting. Amen. I'm going to keep on going. Amen. Amen. And so and when we do that with the right spirit, when we go through the darkness with the right spirit, then we can let our light shine and our light will shine because we it, Again as I said this morning uh, your light it, if I shine a light in this room right now you don't really notice it but when you're going and it's dark if we shut off all the lights here in about an hour we shut off all the lights and we turn the light on you know what that light shines bright and when you're going through the darkness of trials if your light is shining bright people notice it and so and then he goes the next next law was to or uh, command was to honor God's law uh, to honor the, God's law. And when he's talking about it, he's talking God's moral law that was written down in the Old Testament even. It was written down in the Old Testament and Jesus said, I came to fulfill that. And then I explained to you that fulfilling that, and I'm gonna keep emphasizing it because you got a world out there that says that fulfill means he came to end it. That he came to do away with it. Let me help you. That fulfill does not mean that. It means he came to fulfill it to the very end. It means he came and he lived out every bit of it. Doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do it. He says, "I showed you how to do it." Now we can't do it in our flesh, but but he lived it all out. And so now, we go into therefore the very next command deals with human relationships, and that's about making things right with our brother. Uh, That and and that's kind of where we were, I think, last week, last Sunday night, but making things right with our brother. And 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 again, it's all falls into place, if we're not right with our brethren, again, said this morning, and, but many of you weren't here, it, 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 we, we cannot be right with God if we're not right with the brethren. You know, that's why, you know, holding grudges, let me just help you, that, that keeps a wedge, that keeps something between you and God. Being angry and upset and bitter toward people, I, you wonder why your prayers are not answered or you feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling. It's because you have put a wedge in between you. You understand what I'm saying? We need to get right with other people. Amen, somebody. God said it. I didn't say it. All right? Now, this morning, we dealt with God's moral law concerning adultery. Jesus said, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And right before that he said, You know, you have heard it said that that you're not to thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, But I'm gonna take it even further than that. When you think about it. And we hit that uh this morning very, very uh intently. And and so uh that's where we kind of brings us up to where we are. So the next command. That we have is in Matthew chapter five verse thirty-seven. If you want to look at Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-seven, uh, hopefully you're already there in Matthew. You don't have to go far to to find this. And so it says, "Let your communication be yea, yea and nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil." Now it's a real simple thing, but we're still talking about human relationships here. God's dealing with He, he goes and. Uh, god is a god of order and he just handles things in order and he's dealing with his human relationships and he and what he very simply he said that, that it's that we need to be very careful with the words that we say both because we must keep our word and because our words can do so much destruction now, I, th- I believe this is twofold in here. I believe very clearly, most of the time, we look at this and we simply say, and I think it's a, a very clear usage of this passage, that it means that, you know, if you make a promise, you vow a vow, you've got to keep that. So, you know, don't, don't say you're going to do something and not do it. And, you know, that's why I said just say yes or no, not, you know, nothing more than that. God makes it very clear that, that you're not supposed to, that we, sh- we really shouldn't. You know, back in college, they would say, man, you need to make a vow to God, you're going to do this every day of the rest of your life. Go ahead and give an invitation for three days. I'm not coming forward. Because God said, you don't make a vow and not keep it. That's right. And I went into the hospital, and that was days I didn't even know who I was. You say, well, that don't count. I don't know it don't count to God. I said I would do it every day. Now, we need to be very careful with the words that we say, both because we must keep our word and because our word, words can do so much destruction. Look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. God God's very simply saying that, and this is so, it really is so simplistic, but he's saying that we need to be very careful. We need to use a lot of wisdom and discretion about the words that come out of our mouth. We need to be very careful how we talk to people. We need to be very careful what comes out of our mouth. Now, God's not just saying that their whole conversation is yay, yay, nay, nay. Okay? He's not saying just uh, all you can ever say is yes or no. Yes? We said no this morning, so let's say yes tonight. Now, He's not just saying it, but he's saying that what he's, that the, the theme of it, the, the meaning of it, is that we got to be very careful. We need to think through what we're saying before we say it. You know, that's one of the, when I was playing, and it's not in my notes here, but when I was uh, playing uh, Sailor Ministry football especially, uh, I, I, I knew me. I knew the danger of this tongue, if I ever got in a game, And I got upset. Now, it never happened, but. (laughs) So, but anyway, I just, I knew, I knew that if I ever started talking, there's no telling what was going to come out of here. Because you get, look, I'm playing, I'm in my 30s and 40s, and I'm playing against 18, 19-year-olds, okay? So i got to give it everything I got, and I'm, let me help you, I'm still better than they are, but the, uh, but I, I'm giving it everything I got, and it gets pretty intense, and we played what you call flackle, 11 on 11, under the lights, and it, you say, what's flackle? That's where you put flags on for insurance purposes, and then you kill each other. And so, uh we're out there, and man, I mean, we're going to war here for about three or four hours, and we're, we're just going crazy. And, 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 and every once in a while, every once in a while, every once in a while, I would get a little intense, if you understand my concept. I would get a little, I'd get a little bit bothered out there, and here's what I had to do. I would walk to a huddle, and they would say, Brother Hooker, we'll call a play. Nope. Somebody else. You know why? I didn't even want to call a play. I didn't want to say anything because if I let this thing open, you don't want to hear what's coming out of there. So I would just keep it shut. You know, every once in a while we just need to keep it shut. You know what? You don't have to speak your mind. You really don't. Nobody wants to hear it. And it and it's such a short subject, Linda. All right. James chapter three, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, look at this. The same as a perfect man. Look at the. I'm not going to get to it, but, but. Down here, down the road, just a, a couple more commands. God's going to say, "Be you perfect, for I am perfect." We're going to hit that one. And look at this. He says, "Unless you learn to control your tongue, you can't ever get to fulfill that command." Do right. you understand? Yeah. See the God's order. He's saying you got to deal with something before you'll ever. You got to. You got to follow this command before you'll ever be able to fulfill this one. Right. Make sense? Right. And so. Here's what he says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. Anybody ever ridden a horse? Anybody ever rode a horse? Uh, anybody? I, I grew up on, on horses, and, I, and I've ridden a bunch of times with, with, without a bridle because we go down in the pasture and just crazy boys, and we just if we could get our hands on one of them and sling up on them. And, and let me tell you, first thing they're going to do is run to the woods. They're going to try to scrape you off under some limbs someplace, or they're going to run straight to the barn. You know, even if the gate ain't open, and they're going to run there, and they're going to try to knock your legs off on that post, and and, and it gets, you have no control because you have no bridle. But God says, you know, you put bridles in the in the behold, we put bits, and if you don't know what that means, that's the bit that that's the piece that goes in the mouth of the horse uh, on the bridle. But the horse's mouth, and they that they may obey us, we turn about their whole body with this with this little bit of bit in the mouth. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they turned about with very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, look at this, even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter. A little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And set on fire of hell. Tongue is pretty, can be a pretty bad thing. So it's got to be kept under control. And God's emphasizing to us. That we must keep it under control. Now of course. Here, I believe the primary thought behind this command is that, you know, this yay, yay, and that is that we would think through our words before we make a commitment, a vow, or a promise. I think that's the primary thing, but I think all of this is God saying, think through what you say before you say it, but especially about making commitments, about making promises. Uh, folks, if you really, if you're still rearing children or if you're going to have children uh, or, or if you just, you know, pick up a few strays here and there, the, uh, when, when you, it's a very important thing that you keep your word to your children. Very important thing that we keep our word to the children. Uh, you know, it's important in business. It's important with fellow la- co-laborers. It's important uh, in marriage relationship. But I'm telling you, it is really important with your children. That when you say, you know what, you do that, and I'm gonna take you shopping, or I'm gonna go get a milkshake, you got to follow through, folks. And if you forgot, you you got to make it up and say, you know what, I forgot. I'm sorry we got to do it now amen anybody we we we, God says look it's better for you not to say that kind of stuff than to say it and don't do it because it hurts it 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 destroys your testimony but it also destroys their respect and belief in you now we make hasty statements of absolute commitment and often we find ourselves tempted to not follow through because of the cost. Now, here's what the problem is. We're supposed to look at the cost before we open the mouth. We're supposed to look at what this is really going to take. You know, uh, I've said it says before, you know, I, I, for 25 years, I, I, I told my wife on our 25th anniversary we are going to Hawaii because I never thought we'd live that long. But bless God, when we got to, tw- I mean, honestly, when you first get married, you think 25 years is like, that, that is an eternity. So I can say anything right now. But all of a sudden, we were there at 25 years. You say, what did you do? I found a way. I'm, I'm telling you, God being my witness, my help, we went to Hawaii. Now, we didn't go the way normal people go, but we went. She almost went alone. (laughs) Tell her, you just go ahead without me. But we got to that point. Now, we got to make sure about hasty statements. Think before you speak. Proverbs 18, 13. And again, it's not the direct, I don't believe, that. I believe this is more of a a counseling kind of verse, but but I think it still applies. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. You you know, I used to use this all the time teaching about counseling. Uh, One of the things that turned me off to some people's counseling is that before you could ever tell them what was going on, they had the answer. Well, you know, how can you answer me if you never, you don't even know what's going on in my life? But but I believe that this is also God saying, look, when we make a commitment before we've heard all the details, before we heard all what's going to take place and what we need to do, you know, oh, yeah, hey, I'll do it. Well, you don't know when you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. Why would you say you're going to do it? Amen? I just every once in a while I ask you to say amen. Just, I just want to know you're awake. No, I want to know if you're alive. Because Some of you look dead. I know it's Sunday night. What can I say? This this can apply to hasty counsel, but it also applies to commitments we make before we have counted the cost. I'll give you this. When um, when when I, when I was um, seventeen in high school, I was boxing. Y'all have heard all these stories, but the uh, but you're going to hear them again because it makes me sound cool. The um no no. When I was seventeen, I was boxing. And and, and at that point in the in the early seventies, uh, you might remember that there was a well-known boxer during that time. His name was Muhammad Ali is Cassius Clay, and then he became Muhammad Ali. Well, he started a whole new brand uh, of attitude in boxing he, he, because he was going to tell everybody he was the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Or he would be shaking his fist at the other guy and telling him what he's going to do to him while they're weighing in or while they're doing it. He was always, you know, and so in the, it started an attitude that came all the way down to 17-year-old AAU boxers. And so when we go to the weigh-ins, the guy who's uh, weighing in and going to fight me, I, I, every time, every fight that I ever fought, they would start telling me what they're going to do to me. I mean, the whole time, they'd tell me, and i thank God that my daddy was always with me when I went to this stuff because if he hadn't been, my attitude and my temper, probably we never would have made it into the ring. The fight would have started at the weigh-in. And so, uh, but dad was there and I'll tell you why he was there, but but uh, we, we would go through that when you stepped into the ring and you go to shake hands. They were going to stare you down and they were going to be talking to you and telling you what they were going to do to you. You say, what did you do, brother? My dad, at the very beginning, when he saw it all happening, he pulled me to the side before I ever went up there and he's watching and he said, son, let me tell you something. And he said, I want you to understand this before we even get started. He said, son, you never tell a man what you're going to do to him. You just get in the ring and do it. Amen? So when they would be running their mouth, I'd never say a word. When they would be in the ring and they would be uh, shaking hands or they would know, be doing all their stuff and talking to me, I would stand up and smile. And they would be telling me, with it, shaking their fists, and I would shake their hand and say, have a good fight. Now, what inside of me, I was wanting to continue that statement. Have a good fight, because it ain't going to last long. That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't, because Daddy said, don't tell a man what you're going to do to him, just do it. Now, look, we need, to be, we need to think through the thing. Now, here's a real important reason. What I found is years have gone by. You go ahead and tell somebody what you're going to do to them. What you're going to find is somebody going to make a fool out of you because he's going to do it to you. Now, God is obviously very serious about a vow. He wants us to be very serious about it too. Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23. If you want to look at that, Deuteronomy chapter 23 says, When thou shalt... Vow a vow unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee. And it should be sin in thee. God says if you make a, you make a vow to God, God says I, you don't pay it. I'm holding you accountable for it. That's why folks, anything that we do even in this this church... Look, be very—you think through what you do before you do it. You think through before you make a vow or a promise. You won't hear me asking you to do that because I listen. It's this is a very important thing. God's very serious. He says, "But if thou shalt forbear to to vow, it shall be no sin in thee." God said, "Look, if you don't make a vow, it's okay." Now. It's the illustration that Jesus gives. You know, I would rather somebody say, you know, in Jesus' illustration, he says, I'm not going, and he goes. The servant, you know, the son says, I'm not going to go the field, and he goes. And the other servant says, I'm going, but he doesn't go. Now, it's just better that we don't say we're going to do something and not do it. It'd be better for you just to say, I'll do my best. But listen... You know why we try to get commitment is because I do my... Here's where we are in this. Say, well, I'll try to be there. You know what that means? I'm not coming. Okay? Don't even say I'll try to be there when you know you're not going to try to be there. Don't say I'll pray for you if you're not going to pray for them. Let me. One of the things I learned to do a long, long time ago... I, i and often you know and on the social media, if I say i'm praying often I say i'm praying now. you know why I say that because before I even start writing, I start praying for them because I can write i'm I will pray for you, and I can get a phone call, I can get somebody to holler for me, something happens, uh, food's ready uh something goes on, and I'm going to get sidetracked. I can't do that, folks. It's very important when I say I'm going to do something for my integrity, for my honesty, for my decency, that I do what I say I'm going to do. It's very important in this community that we're a people that we just follow through with what we say we're going to do. Amen? I know this is not mesmerizing stuff, but it's very... It's what Jesus taught. This gets down to baseline character, and this is the way he... You know, so much is out there about discipleship, and I'll be honest with you, the more I study through what Jesus taught, we're kind of lacking in in all of our discipleship books because it's what we think is important, and here's what he said was important. Now, he said, That which is gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform. That's what Jesus said. Even a, a free will offering according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. And you say, no, Brother Hooker, that's Deuteronomy. That's not what Jesus said. Um, I am the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is that? Amen. Even if it's not in red. Amen. We don't have time going to all that. Okay, we're going to go to the next point because at this pace, uh, this is going to take me like Romans to get through. But uh, the next point we're going to go to it, and that's uh, you'll find that in Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-eight. Look at Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-eight. And this one is this, it says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist, not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You see, I believe this is, it's more than one thing here, but the primary teaching command is go the second mile in patience rather than vengeance and retaliation. Go the second mile in patience rather than vengeance and retaliation. You see, until we get ready to suffer without retaliation, we will struggle letting our light shine in this world of darkness. Jesus suffered and could have called 12 legions of angels, but he did not. Jesus suffered, yet opened not his mouth in retaliation. Our protection in this life, listen to this now, we look at something like this, and you know, you're know, you talking about turning the other cheek and all that kind of thing, and, and, and boy, you know, sh- don't we fight back, don't we do all that? Uh, I, I'm here to tell you, our protection is not in, forgive me, our protection is not even in our weapons, okay? Our protection is not in the gun that we own, although I believe our country gives us the right to own guns. But you know, there's Christians all over this world that don't have them. You say, how are they protected? There's an almighty God. Our protection uh, in this life is not from our ability, strength, or power, but from our God who is always with us, who has all power to protect us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God says, You're going to be persecuted, you're going to be attacked. He said, guess what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. God says, nothing abnormal is happening to you. Proverbs 21, 31 says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety, listen to this, safety is of the Lord. We don't protect ourselves. We don't. Now, I'm not saying that, that you don't defend your family. You don't defend people. I, and, and I'm not talking about if trying to shoot you, you don't shoot back. I, that's not what I'm talking about. And some people may not even like that. I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about most of the real attack that we have. God says, why do we get so ready to fight about everything? Why do we so much want to retaliate and have vengeance? God said, that's not really what it's all about, folks. You need to take those hits. You need to not get so upset about it. You need to let them... Uh, let me, one illustration and I'll be done in, in my life you, you know my life and you know that I didn't get saved till I was 20 and, and I was a ball player and I was a boxer and I was a fighter and and I, I say before I got saved I fought more out of the ring than I fought in the ring uh, but but you know when I got saved something happened something began to happen inside of me and one day I was, I was in a situation and a man challenged me and he, he looked at me and he said, I mean, he just wanted to fight. He was determined to fight. But something had happened to me. You could ask my wife. I lost my last fight because I'd gotten saved, and I went in the boxing ring after getting saved. and, and I hurt a boy one night in the semi uh, finals of this tournament. I hurt a boy. I know I hurt him. And, and, and God came all over me. I can't, I can't, this is wrong. Why am I out here just trying to hurt somebody needlessly? To the point that in the championship fight she was there you can she can tell you i i couldn't i couldn't give what i normally give i normally had this this intensity i was gonna i was gonna tear his head off and worry about it later but somehow i couldn't do it i couldn't do it and i lost the decision but i stood here with this this fella and And he kept demanding, you know, and screaming at me and wanted to fight. I finally looked at him, dropped my arms, and I said, if you want to hit me so bad, go ahead. And he did. He popped me in the face and spun my head around. And I turned back and looked at him. I said, have you had enough now? He hit me a second time. Yanked my head back. And I turned and looked at him and I said, Is that enough now? And he dropped his hands and walked away. Because when Christ comes in, something about our attitude ought to change. Now, humanity says, I'm not letting nobody hit me. Before that day, I used to say all the time, Hey, I won't take the first swing you go ahead. Now they didn't know that that didn't mean were, they were going to hit me because as soon as they started moving, I was going to knock the fool out of them because they took the first swing, but it, not get all, it never got all the way there. But this time I just dropped my hands and said, go ahead. Because I didn't even understand these principles, this law, but God says if we're going to Follow the commands of Christ. We can't react like the world. We got to take the hit. You see, the scripture says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. I was so ready to fight, so hot-tempered, but as God began to change my life, Something happened. What I, what I realized is it's not about me proving me. It's about me letting the light of Christ shine. If we're not willing to take the hit without retaliation, we're also not prepared for the next command. You see, we're not going to go into it tonight, but the next command is love your enemies. This is, so, this is so line upon line. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of presenting it that way, but it's a line upon line. And God says, until you're willing to take the adversity and even the punch. He says, you're not willing to love your enemies. We don't really love our enemies when we're snapping on them. When we're ready to fight at the drop of a hat and we're willing to drop the hat. We'll never get there. We'll never get to the love your enemies part. And we have barely even got started with God's commands. But he's, it's, this is an incredible character journey spiritual journey where God's building us. Okay, unless Michael learns this truth, when he gets to to Africa, and his story they recently told us about how they, you know, stopped them, police stopped them, and on their, on their little outing they're finally going to get to have, they're going to go take a little bit of break, and they stop them without re- and they take, take their food. Can I tell you, that that make you real quick want to hate everybody. But they didn't go there to hate people, they went there to let the light of Christ shine. Now, I'm not saying he did at that moment. <laughs> I really don't want to know. I know from Brooke's testimony, she sure didn't, but, to, <laughs> but see this, the Lord's laying it out for us. This is the way we're supposed to handle it. And and I'm just warning you, as time goes by, we're going to be, we're going to see more and more persecution. The, I'm, I'm going to say this one more time. I, barring... A miracle of God in November we will see a whole different faction in power and I, I don't think there's righteousness on either side just so you know but I do know that one side outwardly vehemently hates what we stand for Now, I'm not sure the other side is for us, but I know one side hates everything we stand for. And I see, in my little look ahead, I see attack and venom like we've never known. I really do. You say, well, what's our hope? I believe Jesus' discipleship program is our hope. I believe that's it. And we're not going to love our enemies until we start reacting differently to the little skirmishes of life. I've kept you long enough. Father, I pray that you bless here.